Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. We didn't start the fire, but thanks to the fire department for putting it out. Stubb, I told you, you can't microwave aluminum foil. I told you that. I know you're a tuna fish from last night. You wanted to reheat it. I'm blaming you for the fire, Stubb. That's on me. That's, That's on, on me. you. That's and on I made you. my mac and cheese without water. Yeah, I know. I know. You couldn't take the stairs. You had to take the <laughs> elevator, set the whole building off here with an alarm. My goodness. I'll tell you. That was not fun to have to go off air for like 10 minutes there. I, I know the people are dying to hear my hot takes, and my hot takes are so hot they almost burned up the building. But we are back live and local here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, just in time for our 2 p.m. segment here with Craig Hoffman joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Craig? I knew you guys couldn't be trusted. <laughs> You haven't even met Stubb yet, but you couldn't trust him. <laughs> I mean, Adam, he works with you. Like, I have judgment questions. <laughs> yeah, no, good point, good point. All right, so um, Thursday night disaster, Thursday night fright, whatever you want to call it. Commanders lose by 20 points at home. How do they bounce back from this? Yeah, speaking of dumpster fires, hey-ho. Um, the good news is they had 10 days off. Like, they have plenty of time to flush this. They have plenty of time to look at the schematic issues that they've been having and like, hopefully they're smart and they implement changes. Um, there's no, that's not like the most earth shattering analysis and we can get into what some of those changes are obviously, but I actually don't think after like watching the tape and having a couple more days to digest it, you know, less emotionally that, uh, and now of course the fire truck is coming for me. I apologize <laughs> for the sound in the background here. Um, but I, I think that with when you watch the tape and you like kind of unemotionally analyze it, it's not an effort issue. Like there, there, this isn't a lack of focus. There, there, like you got guys making mistakes, and those have to get corrected. I don't think they're always being put in the best position. That has to get corrected. But at the end of the day, like I, I think that you know when Rivera says it's fixable, it's like. You are correct, sir, but you've got to fix it. Yeah, and how do you respond to the people that say Rivera is the problem? His teams always get off to a slow start, not just you know in season, but in game. Uh, and that was the case here on Thursday against the Bears. It was seventeen uh, nothing before the boys even started playing. And so I wonder, you know, does Ron Rivera just have the worst pregame speeches of all time? Why is nobody ready to fight as soon as the game starts? I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, is it a lack of ready to fight, or is he tactically being outmatched consistently? And I would say it's a much bigger point of the latter. Like, yes, mm. there probably is some level of motivation that is lacking and, like, coming out with your hair on fire. Um, and, and I think that it's a very, like, do-your-job type of focus um, and maybe a little bit more of, like, hey, let's go make some plays would be perhaps the better message. Um, but also, you know, you got guys may, trying to make plays, and – that's when they're giving up the they're give, actually giving up the big plays. So, like I, I think, like because they play well in movies, coach speeches get a lot of attention. I actually don't think they matter that much. I think what matters is you've got a rookie in Emmanuel Forbes who is not playing sound technique and who is making bad decisions on the field and is also being asked to guard uh, number one receivers when it seems like he's not up to that task. And, like, I think what, what, you know, the slow start year over year with both Ron and Del Rio is, like, you have a younger NFL now where, where the CBA values a lot more rookie contracts, and I don't know that they've adapted to that over the course of their very long, very successful, in a lot of respects, careers. 
where how do you get younger players in positions to succeed earlier on in a season, or do you need five weeks to learn them? Because by five weeks into the season, in this particular season, you've already got three losses, and those things count. Got to fix the defense, and it starts with Jack Del Rio and his schemes. What do you think this secondary is going to look like Sunday against Atlanta with Derek Forrest hurt and Forbes was just benched last game? Yeah, I mean, I think Emmanuel's going to play, um, and they're going to have to let him play through it. I think he'll be on a somewhat of a short leash, but um, they're going to give him more opportunities, and they should because he's a first-round pick. And, you know, if we talk about having some grace with Sam and the mistakes that he potentially makes as a young player, I think you have to have the same, you know, kind of learning period, learning grace for Emmanuel um, at the safety spot where Derek Forrest will not be for the foreseeable future. Um, Percy Butler is going to have to play and play well. Um, you got a lot of responsibility back there. Obviously, they've given up a ton of big plays. How do you, as a last-line of defense defender, prevent that from happening? And he's been, you know, at fault, as, as I think, on some and, you know, put bad spots on others. So I think how he adapts to a bigger role is going to obviously be key. And then we find out if Quan Martin can play professional football as a defensive player. Um, I think those are the, the things that you need to figure out and figure out relatively quickly. Um, and we will to an extent, although Atlanta's a funky team, man. Like, how well do you run fit? That's what I want to know on Sunday because they're going to run it way more than basically every other NFL team. Um, and then you've got, you know, some, some different challenges after that. I mean, who knows what the Giants will do. And then obviously Philly again. Uh, but they have a lot of speed. Like, I, I would just try to play a little bit more conservatively, keep everything in front, and, you know, not play quite as much man coverage and, and rely on the, the physical gifts that you've drafted. Uh, and they just haven't tactically decided that that's the move so far this year. They've been, uh, ironically, not very aggressive with the pass rush and kind of aggressive in coverage. And I think that mismarriage has caused a lot of their problems. It's Craig Hoffman with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Check him out daily on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. Always available on the go on the Odyssey app. And the fan base is pissed off, and, and they want something to happen. And I took 100 calls on Saturday for people calling for Jack Del Rio's job and Ron Rivera's job. And yesterday, Josina Anderson made headlines with insight into Josh Harris being unhappy with the performance and it messing with Ticket sales, do you believe that Josh Harris and Magic Johnson, the new ownership group, should make a move before the end of the season if it keeps getting worse and worse? I mean, if it gets worse and worse, we're having a different conversation. And I think the late buy and the Thanksgiving game, like those present opportunities. But I think the, the more that I've talked about this and like thought it out loud, like you're actually not setting anybody up to succeed. If you make a move, you're just offering a head on a platter. And sometimes like for a fan base, that's kind of what you need to do. And if you're a new owner that's trying to create buy-in with this fan base, that you're in tune with what they want. Um, I get it. But like, realistically, what is the problem right now? It's the defense. Who are you going to fire? The defensive coordinator and the defensive head coach to make Eric the who is just trying to survive in his first year with a young quarterback as a full-time play caller, you're going to tell him it's now his job to fix the defense when you can't go hire a staff because you're in the middle of a season and you can't bring in new players because there's like the only guys available are, you know, quote unquote, off the streets, free agent level players. Like, what are we actually talking about doing here? And so the, the first order, yes, firing someone might feel good. The second order is actually replacing those people. And I don't think that that actually presents any good options right now. If you want to do it later in the season because the, the results are not getting better and all of that stuff, then I think it's a little bit easier sell late in the season. And if you do it on kind of a long week where 
EB has time to reorganize the, the staff and, and give responsibilities and all that kind of stuff, I could see it then. But right now, um, I know people are angry and like you should be angry. But unfortunately, I think that the problems are off-season problems, not anything that can be fixed in season. Do you would you argue that there's any truth to the belief that a lot of this fan base has that Jack Del Rio has lost the defensive locker room and they're they're not running his schemes as much, doing their own thing out on the field? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. And like the biggest kind of perpetrator of that I think is kind of people getting confused about what Chase Young has done at times where like Chase has at times freelanced a little bit but like that started to rein itself in pretty well over the last couple of weeks and like Chase was the best player on the field defensively on Sunday Mm -hmm. Um, I think they've got other issues and like I don't think like I feel like they should be a little more aggressive with their pass rush like let's create some pressure either with blitzes or simulated pressures where you kind of fake blitzing one way draw the defensive or the, the protection uh, call, like, let, hey, let's get a slide to the right uh, because we're showing a blitz off the right and then bring guys off the left. Um, you know, and then, like I said, like they're, they played a lot of man coverage, and that's pretty surprising. I don't know why they're doing that. Um, maybe they thought they just had better, you know, hey, it's man-to-man, like our men are better than your men, and turns out uh, DJ Moore is better than everybody. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's some decision-making with the play calling, and, and, like, even the touchdown, the, the first one on the first drive, we talked about this on Take Command this morning, which will come out tomorrow uh, for folks that, that are podcast uh, people and want, like, an in-depth film breakdown. But, like, on that play, they call cover two, and – I don't really understand the call in that situation. Like, why would you not have something that's a deeper shell coverage that keeps everything in front on a third and 14? Like, that's just a bad call to me in that situation. You're not putting your players in position to succeed. So um, I think they're like, the good news is they're largely running the stuff. Um, The bad news is they're not running it particularly well. Some of the execution is bad. And I don't know that the stuff that they're running is actually the best stuff, if that all makes sense. Craig, what what uh, record did you have for this team preseason, and has your thoughts changed on that at all? Um, somewhere between seven and nine, and nine and seven, and no, not really. Um, I still think that they'll probably catch a, a two or three game win streak at some point. I think that at some point they'll probably have another like two losses in a row that feel really bad. I think you know it, it's just frustrating to see how it's happening. I think that's the bigger shock is like. You did not expect a defense that's given up 32 points a game. Um, you, did, you expected maybe the offense to struggle at times to get going. Maybe something like the Buffalo game to happen where Sam is just completely overwhelmed because he's young. For the defense to be this consistently bad production-wise, I think that's the shock. But from a record standpoint, I think it probably winds up evening out all about the same. The homer in me was so pissed off after the Thursday night loss that I started the show on Monday saying, I don't think we're going to beat the Falcons. I don't think we're going to beat the Giants or the Eagles. I couldn't find another win on the schedule. But as we're getting closer to Sunday, I'm trying to take a step back and look at the bigger picture uh, of this thing. And the fact is that the Falcons aren't a great team. You know, Could we argue here that, hey, the boys were playing on empty. Now they've refilled the gas tank. They might look really good and beat the Falcons by double digits. 100%. Hundred percent. I mean, they've yeah. been better on the road for whatever reason. I do think that like the Sunday overtime versus the Eagles lingering into Thursday is probably a part of this equation. I don't know how big, but I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I do think that like recharged on the road had a chance to self scout. I would hope it's better. If not, then like you know, we can talk next week, and maybe I will be ready to to serve a head on a platter. You know, that- proverbially speaking. <laughs> That's Craig Hoffman. Follow him on social media at Craig Hoffman. Check out. 
the Hoffman Show from Monday through Friday from 4 to 7, and also the Take Command podcast with Craig and Logan Polson. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks, buddy. You guys uh, stay safe and, uh, you know, do the right stuff in the microwave. I know, I know. Stubb, I can't believe you decided to put aluminum foil in there. That's for the toaster oven, you dummy. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You guys know I talk a lot about D.C. sports, but then when the calendar turns to October and November, we dedicate a ton of segments on this show to VCU basketball. I'm a diehard VCU basketball fan. Went to VCU right after the Final Four and uh, watched that team have a ton of success with Shaka Smart to Will Wade to Coach Rhodes. And this year we begin the Ryan Odom era. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, the play-by-play voice of the VCU Rams, it's Robbie Robinson. What's going on, Robbie? Awad. It's basketball season. It's great to be on with you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. We're, we're back here. We're rolling. The, the show's been on fire today, so much so that we had to call the fire department for about 15 minutes, but we're back. We're live and we're local here, and we got the black and gold game coming up this Saturday. Yeah, 3 o'clock is when the doors open. Uh, 4 o'clock is when our women's team will have a scrimmage. They'll play a couple 10-minute halves, I think, and then the men's team will come on right after that. And they'll play a couple 15-minute halves. So it should be a good probably hour and a half of pure basketball watching Beth O'Boyle's team play. And then we get to see Ryan Odom's squad for the first time in person on Saturday afternoon right here at the Siegel Center. Absolutely. And I should all uh, let all my listeners know that your October Odom Hour Coaches Radio Show is this Thursday, 6 p.m. at the Rusty Taco in Short Pump. What's it been like hanging out with Ryan Odom? Have you gotten to know him a little bit? A little bit. You know, they've been so busy, Adam. I mean, seriously, they have... Since the moment that he got hired, I guess it was in April, he has hit the ground absolutely, not just running, but sprinting. So, yes, we've had three or four of our coaches' shows. We have about one a month, so I think we've had four, maybe five. Uh, I've done a couple of events with him where I've been able to interview him and talk to him in front of corporate groups and fan groups and things like that. He's great. Like, he's sensational. He's a super laid-back guy. He's very introspective. Uh, very smart. I mean, Ryan Odom is quick-witted and very smart, experienced. You know, he's a he's a head basketball coach. That he was, he's been at UMBC. He's been at Utah State. He's been around the game for his entire life. You know, his mm-hmm. dad was Dave Odom, so his dad was an assistant at Virginia, and that's well documented. And then recruited and coached Tim Duncan, and then was it? You know, you forget Dave Odom was at South Carolina for a long time. So you know, that was all during Ryan Odom's formative years as a coach so he's just he's just a really good laid-back super friendly guy easy to work with and and he's really falling in love with Richmond, Virginia you just get the sense whenever I talk to him he's just so enthusiastic about the city and the program and just optimistic about all the things that are in front of us and of course Ryan Odom brought a few of his ballers with him uh, including Sean Barstow and Max Shulga who were named captains and also Zeb Jackson. What do you make of the three captains named for VCU's 2023-2024 basketball team? I think well Zeb Jackson has proven to be just just a phenomenal human being the more we get to know him and we got to know him a little bit last year and I think he was getting to know Richmond he had just transferred from Michigan so I think whenever you transfer in there's a there's a time frame, Adam, that you're, you're really learning 
what it's like to be a part of this program. You're just at a program. You're at Michigan, and you're playing in the Big Ten, and now, boom, you're at this you know, frothy fan base that is VCU. But you know, once the season has ended, uh, and he's really – he was you know, one of the only guys that stuck around after Coach Rhodes went to Penn State. He has developed in just this unbelievable ambassador of VCU basketball. So for him to be a captain is no surprise at all. You know, Shulga and Barristow, I think, has a lot to do with what Coach Odom knows they bring to the table. I mean, he's had him for a couple years at Utah State. He's very well – uh, well-versed in their games. He knows what they bring from an attitude standpoint, from a personality standpoint. It's not something we as fans have seen a whole lot of because we haven't seen them play a whole lot, and definitely not in person. So, Adam, I think those two guys, by just the function of of knowing and familiarity with Coach Coach Odom are the reasons they got chosen to be captains. And you know, Coach Odom's so smart. He knows exactly what's going on with this team. He knows what's going to make this team click. They've been studying it now for months. So it, you have to just lean in and know that those are the two guys, along with Zeb, that are best for that position. It's something, you know, too, this is something he told me, we'll talk about this probably in the coaches' show on Thursday, uh, that he's big on captains. Like that's, and I, you know, I don't, I don't really remember in the past 15 years of Shaka and Will Wade and Coach Rhodes being big captains guys. You probably had that de facto team leader, but Coach Odom likes to name captains, and these are my guys, and I don't know if they're going to have a C on their jersey or not. Probably not, but I think that they would if they could, and, and that's that's a big thing in his program is who is named the captain for the program. Yeah, and I think it's really important when you're putting together a roster with a bunch of new names and new faces, and they got to get to and get to know each other. You want a leader uh, to be able to lead these guys, and there's a lot of young guys on this team as well as from some transfer portal projects. So try to bring everyone together. It's going to be important to have your captains, your leaders. One guy that I'm really looking forward to watching this season the local kid from Verina, Fats Billups, who had his freshman season derailed a little bit uh, with an injury. Uh, but talk to my audience a little bit about the type of baller that you think Fats Billups is. Well, Coach Odom will tell you that he has been really good in practice and that for a, the first couple weeks when Coach was here and he was working him out over the Basketball Development Center, they were a little concerned that just the speed of the game was just too quick for Fats. But they said he has picked it up immensely since midsummer and has been a real force on this floor for VCU. And I think he can shoot it. He can just, you know, he can distribute the basketball. He can handle the basketball. We saw that at Verina when they won the state championship here at the Seagull Center. And I think we'll see a lot more of that this year. Of course, it's a thinner team. You know, we're not quite as deep. We, you know, we lost a guy that had committed here and went back overseas. And, and so I think, I think Fats is going to get his opportunity for sure. It's, it's a deep team, though, in terms of just, I think, equalized talent. You know, Adam, like, I don't think we have like three phenomenal guys and the rest of the guys are you know, behind them. I think one through ten, it's really hard to pick out who the main you know, stud of this team is. Now, that will probably come to the surface. It always does during the year. But I think right now, if you're to ask Coach Odom, he probably has a sense of who the starting five is, but it's not something that's set in stone. And that's where Fats, I think, can really, that's where Fats, I think, can really make his way into this lineup because I don't feel like from him to go from wherever he is right now to a starter or at least one of the first off the bench is a far valley for him. You know, it's not a, it's not a far delta for Fats to get there, and I think he's got the game to do so. Robbie Robinson, play-by-play voice of the VCU Rams, here with us on 910 The Fan. And, Robbie, it's going to be an exciting season. It's going to be an interesting season also because a lot of the fan base – 
they might recognize more people on the sidelines than on the court with Darius Theus returning, Bradford Burgess, uh, Coach Roost there as well. I, I think Ryan Odom did a really good job of uh, bringing in the staff that he chose. Well, I mean, it, it said it just a couple minutes ago. He's smart. He's a super smart guy, and he knows what it takes to win in programs, and he had to build something at UMBC, and he had to keep something going at Utah State. So his conversation with Darius Theus was quick when he got here, and I think he opened the door for Darius because Darius had been an assistant at Siena on the road recruiting, and word had gotten out in the college basketball circles that he was really good at it. So it was not a hard decision, I think, for Ryan to go get Darius and bring him back here. And it probably wasn't a hard decision for Darius, who grew up in Virginia Beach and played basketball in high school down the street in the Tidewater area to come back. The Burgess, the Burgess hire was another good one. Bradford was with the Chicago Bulls. He was working his way up the ladder in that professional organization. But as you know, I mean, you've seen the sidelines, Adam, of NBA games. There's like 30 assistant coaches in the NBA. And I'm pretty sure that Bradford was doing a good job making his way up that ladder. But it was a long ladder. There was a lot of rungs on that ladder. So all of a sudden he makes the jump here, and he's a basketball player development guy, which means he's involved with the players a lot. He works the players out a lot. He has a lot of conversations. He gets the temperature of the team. I think when things start to bubble up, Bradford and Darius are probably de facto captains in terms of chatting with guys and whether they talk them off the ledge because they had a bad practice or they pump them up because they had a bad practice. That's something Bradford did really well when he was a player here, and I'm sure he'll fill that role mightily for us as an assistant coach. That's Robbie Robinson. Follow him on social media, Robbie VCU. Thanks so much, man. Looking forward to the season. All right, Adam. Can't wait to be back on with you again. We'll see everybody Saturday here at the Black and Gold game. Doors open 3 o'clock. Awesome. Sounds like a ton of fun. I will be there. Mark it on your calendars. Your first chance to see the VCU basketball men and women's program for 2023-2024. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. This just in from ESPN. The Atlanta Falcons have traded for Los Angeles Rams receiver Van Jefferson. A source confirmed to ESPN uh, just about 15 minutes ago. As part of the deal, the Falcons will send a 2025 seventh-round pick to the Rams for a six-round selection in that same year. Jefferson, Van Jefferson, was in his fourth season out of Florida, and now looks like he'll be suiting up for the Atlanta Falcons maybe as early as this Sunday. Uh, Can I get a little NFL theme music stub here as we bring on a special guest joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, NFL expert Sam Monson. What's going on, bud? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Of course, Sam is PFF's lead NFL analyst. Follow him on social media at PFF underscore Sam. Uh, So we've been talking earlier in the show today about the top two teams in the NFL or the two top teams in the NFC right now, both undefeated in the 49ers and the Eagles. The two teams will face off December 3rd, but if they played this weekend, who would you take and why? I mean, I think I would take the 49ers based off the early part of the season. Um, what they did to Dallas was really impressive. Uh, they've been absolutely cooking on offense. Their defense was fantastic as well. That really stifled the, the Dallas offense. And, you know, it's difficult to find a flaw in them right now. Uh, the weaknesses that were there on paper, maybe a, a depth concern, haven't shown up yet if they're going to show up at all this season. And Brock Purdy at quarterback, who's been, you know, the center of this, how good exactly is he? The box score numbers are incredible. The 
the EPA per play, the advanced stats are incredible, but the, these are all sort of team level data points. Um, but he's now, I think, started to raise his game to the level where he's meeting or matching those statistics. And if that's what we're going to get, if Brock Purdy is actually getting better as the season goes on, as his young career goes on, then I think the 49ers are very scary for the rest of the league. We've done an overreaction Tuesday here on AWOD Radio, and, and one of the reports was that it's not an overreaction to say that this could be the final season of Bill Belichick in, in charge of the New England Patriots. Uh, there was a report that came out they they believe Mac Jones will get the start again this weekend. Is there any fixing the Patriots, and do you think this is the final season of Belichick in charge? It could well be. Um, they, I don't think there's a, a quick fix coming down the road. You know, Mac Jones is bad. The offensive line is bad. The receivers may be viable, but with the other things being bad, they don't, they're not capable of sort of elevating the play of the quarterback or the offensive line. Um, and obviously things have already gone pretty badly for the Patriots so far this season with uh, one and four, or sorry, yeah, one and four record. Um, you look at their upcoming schedule, uh, they got the Raiders, which might be uh, a win coming up, but then it's Buffalo, it's Miami, the Commanders have a nasty defense. Like They could be staring down the barrel of a very ugly uh, first half of the season record, and it's difficult to see them kind of really constructing a way out of that or a quick fix to this. Everybody, you know, eventually, no matter how good the coach is, they reach a point where something needs to be changed and obviously something needs to change in New England at the moment. The Washington Commanders, the team we cover here in Richmond, is coming off of that Thursday night disaster, 40-20 to loss to the Chicago Bears. And the thing that frustrated me the most, and our fan base, the callers have all agreed with me here, is the fact that Ron Rivera had nothing to say to the team at halftime and let the players speak to each other. I mean, what do you think of that, Sam? It seems like a, a head coach who's lost the locker room. Um, maybe. I, I think there are kinds of things you can do when you're a head coach that, you know, when they work out, you look like a genius. And when they don't work out, I think they're obvious things, obvious sticks used to, to beat uh, him with. I think Rivera looked at that and said, this is a failing of players right now. And mm -hmm. the players need to take responsibility and come together. And, you know, they, the message they will deliver to each other is more powerful than any message I can deliver to them. And, that was a gamble he took, and it didn't work out. Um, I don't know that it was necessarily the wrong one to take, though. Uh, I, I think there's definitely an idea that, look, this is a mess that you guys need to recognize and take responsibility for yourself. We are not failing necessarily because of scheme and X's and O's. We're failing through lack of execution, and that's something that players need to step up and recognize. Sam Monson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. So the Commanders face off against the Atlanta Falcons uh, this weekend. The 3-2 and two Falcons uh, have a really impressive rushing attack with Algier and Bijan Robinson. What's your take on the Falcons this season, and do you feel like Ritter is slowly becoming maybe their franchise quarterback? He did have just his best game last weekend. Yeah, he had a really good game this past weekend, um, but that's a big jump forward from anything else we've seen from Desmond Ritter. Uh, if he's able to sustain that level, then they're a different proposition entirely. I mean, all they need to, for, for Ritter is to be okay and not throw the game away, and that's a very difficult offense to try and stop or contain because it's very unusual. It's, it's run heavy. 
it, they, they run from unusual formations and unusual uh, personnel groupings. And if Ritter just doesn't turn the ball over and can execute and take what's there, it's an incredibly difficult offense to stop. Um, but last week was basically the only week we've seen that he's capable of that play so far. So I wouldn't be expecting it to continue. I would expect more like the Desmond Ritter we've seen previously, which is a guy who leads the NFL in, in turnover-worthy play rate despite uh, not leading anywhere near that in terms of uh, volume, pass attempts, all those kinds of things. But really that's the key to that offense. Are you going to get a good version of Desmond Ritter or a bad one? Sounds like you're leaning towards the Commanders bouncing back against the Falcons this Sunday. Um, maybe. I mean, I think I think Washington has some talent. I think the defense was better than they showed against the Bears. That was a, a worrying lack of um, just execution and coherence with the, the secondary in particular. It kind of hung the front seven out to dry. They weren't able to get pressure because everybody was wide open, basically from the first play onwards. Um, so I would expect that to be better this week. Um, and their offense, I think, is fine. Like It's weirdly better when they sort of go into hurry-up panic mode and just let Sam Howell drop back and, and start throwing the ball around. But I think the offense is capable. It's just a case of whether the defense can pull itself together. Yeah, it's interesting you notice that because there has been some chatter this week about, hey, should we just run the two-minute offense to start the game to get Sam Howell going uh, on the first possession so that we don't go three and out and uh, put the defense in a bad position? Sam, AFC North, very interesting division. I picked the Ravens preseason. I'm sticking with them. The Bengals are at the bottom, but they're coming off their their most impressive game uh, in which Joe Burrow was able to scramble and the calf looked much better. The Browns have an incredible defense with Miles Garrett. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're going to get Deshaun Watson back. Ravens 3-2, and two, and, and the biggest fluke of the season is that that Pittsburgh team that can't score is 3-2 and two in the top of the AFC North. Yeah, and even just this past week, you know, if you're watching the start of that Ravens-Steelers game, it would be absolutely inconceivable that the Steelers win that game by the end of it. They were getting destroyed by Baltimore, um, and really were getting destroyed by Baltimore for most of the game, and yet somehow the plays kept bouncing Pittsburgh's way, and they ended up pulling it out uh, by the end. But I think the Ravens probably are the best team in that division. I think, weirdly, Pittsburgh might be the worst team in that division, despite leading it. Um, and then, you know, the Browns, it's going to come down to can they get Watson back and holding up his end of the bargain on the offensive side. And the Bengals, it really is, was that a fluke by Joe Burrow, or is he actually closer to healthy um, than he was a couple of weeks ago? Because the, the guy we saw last week, that guy can play, that's a functional offense, that puts the Bengals in contention, but the version we saw before that wasn't. I mean, that was a non-functional offense. They're not going to be able to hang with the best teams in the division if Burrow's at that level. So, you know, if this was a real jump forward, uh, then I think the Bengals are back in business. If it was just they were facing the Cardinals, then um, maybe they still have a way to go. Sam, I'm wondering who you think you would choose to be the first head coach to get fired. I mean, look, the Cardinals are a bad team, but they're not getting rid of their first-year coach. The Vikings, I think Kevin O'Connell's safe, even though they're 1-4. and four. Dabble's safe at 1-4 and four there uh, with the Giants as well. Who would you predict to be the first coach fired? Um, I would have said before last night that Josh McDaniels would have been in the running, um, mm-hmm. but a win gives, them, uh, gives him a bit of breathing room. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a head coach fired for quite a while. I think, as Leslie said, the ones that are really underachieving have got some credit in the bank or are brand new in the job. Um, you know, Eberflus in Chicago is probably the other one that, that um, 
that is the obvious candidate. But again, he bought himself an extension as well with that uh, win over Washington. So yeah. I think McDaniels and Eberflus are the two candidates who don't have wins and are in the kind of area where they don't have the credit in the bank or the team is not definitely invested in them uh, beyond this season. But each of them, each win one of them gets will, will buy themselves a bit more breathing space. Yeah, and the odds that I saw, Rivera jumped to the top of the list, passing Eberflus after the loss Thursday night, but we've been talking about it. I just don't think Josh Harris can pull the plug already because he's going to be viewed as just the next Dan Snyder. Yeah, I would feel like he would give it the season whatever happens, right? Yeah. There's no there's no benefit to him, I think, in doing it midseason and, and just essentially having to execute two coaching searches instead of one. If you're going to make that change, if you're going to – you know, install your own uh, hand-picked coach or GM or, or whatever the, the structure is going to look like, you do it at the end of the season when you've got the time, when you've got, you know, you can do it properly. You don't kind of create a rod for your own back by trying to do it twice in a couple of months. Sam, great stuff, man. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Anytime. Take it easy. Yep, that's Sam Monson, PFF's lead NFL analyst. Check him out on social media. Got over 116,000 followers. PFF underscore Sam. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. I'm, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Appreciate all the listeners sticking with us today throughout the uh fire alarm that we had where we were off air for about 10 minutes there but we're back and better than ever and rolling through this final segment here by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the world and hollywood and entertainment the writer's strike the actor's strike all that good stuff and more here on netflix netflix the best of streaming services tv movies books podcasts and more We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, Stubb, I wanted to get your take on this big story here from Variety. All right, the numbers are in for Whip, Whip Media's 2023 streaming satisfaction report. All right, for the third straight year, all right, this one company has taken the top spot when it comes to customer happiness with their product. Interestingly uh, enough, only three services... All right, increased in customer satisfaction in comparison to last year's numbers. So, of course, we're talking about all the streaming services, Netflix, Prime, Apple TV+, Disney+, Hulu, and Max. What do you think got the highest satisfaction store uh, score at 88%? I'm, I'm kind of guessing Netflix. Netflix. No. Down at the bottom. Really? Down at the bottom, just above Peacock and Prime Video. All right, so last place, 74% satisfaction, Peacock and Prime Video, 77% Netflix, 79% Paramount Plus, 81% Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus at 85, Hulu at 87, Top Dog, HBO Max, even though customers were not satisfied with the name Max, they have stayed loyal to HBO and their streaming services. So brings me to this question here, 833-804-0910. Love to have some listeners chime in, 833-804-0910. What streaming service do you use most? 833-804-0910. For me, Stubb, I go through this order of operations every single time. I start with Netflix. Mm-hmm. Netflix. I always say, hey, let me see what's new on Netflix, and I always look under the category 
critically acclaimed films. Usually that's got some good stuff yeah, there. Yeah, they got... Netflix has a decent... Yeah. Then I mosey on over to HBO Max. I see if there's any new movies I haven't seen or any blockbusters that are out there. Then I try Hulu. Lastly, Paramount Plus to see if there's any... Uh, they also have sometimes new movies out there. Mm. Rarely do I go to Apple TV Plus since there's no more Ted Lasso. I never go to Peacock unless I'm on there watching soccer. Prime Video, maybe if I'm really desperate. Disney Plus, I'll say, I go there on there all the time, but I go on there not to browse. I already know what I'm watching. Like Disney Plus, oh, I want to watch Star Wars or Ahsoka Tana or, or The Mandalorian. Oh, I want to watch Marvel or, or catch up on this. I never just search Disney Plus. I have in the past. It's a waste of time. Yeah, well, everything on Disney Plus is, is already there. They're not yeah. getting new things. It's just Disney. Right. I pick a movie, and then I find where it's streaming. That's a good call. I, like, I you Google, hey, where do I yeah, watch this? I want to watch a movie. Right. I have a big watch list. I'll yep. just go through it. I look at what's streaming, and that's what I watch. So you don't ever just browse these streaming services? I browse Tubi. <laughs> that's my number one. You were all in I on checked, Tubi. I love Tubi. I, I Yeah, I watched A League of Their Own yesterday uh -huh. on Tubi. The, pretty good movie. Yeah, pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah, not bad. All right, so I, that you know what? That's a good point though. That and I do that also. Where if I know I want to watch something, I'm going to find out where it's on, and then that's what I'll. That's yeah. where I'll watch I'm not, it. I'm obviously. not a browser. Yeah, no. I, I mean, believe me, I find myself wasting time, hours and hours browsing yeah. over the same the same movies. You know. Yeah, and, and, and that's how that. they get me. That's how, that's how <laughs> they get me. But I am kind of shocked to see HBO Max in first place, 88% satisfaction. I'm shocked, too. It's my favorite. It has the best movie selection for me. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought people weren't big fans with the with the changes they made. Yeah, I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that, hey, they did just have a hit in The Last of Us, right? A lot of people go back and watch Game of Thrones or House of Dragon. And, and look, like you said, HBO's my favorite too because you can always go back and watch The Wire or The Sopranos. And so yeah. you're always going to be satisfied if you go to Max and you know what you have to watch because you're watching a rerun, basically. And I saw a breakdown and, and they have by far the most movies pre-2000s. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's... Like, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the new stuff sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very good. It, it, really. I A lot of new movies that I, I go out and I pay for, I'm what a waste of money. Yeah. it's it's I'm all in on the 70s. Yeah. Best decade for movies. <laughs> really? For oh, me, yeah. I think it was the 90s. Did you see... So, Heat was one of my favorite action movies. Have you seen Heat? Not seen Heat. You gotta see Heat, man. I, uh, you keep giving me more from my list. Well, I already I'm have so sorry, much. but I'm only giving you hits here. I, you know, I'm like I'm not like uh, asking you to watch George of the Jungle. I'm asking you to watch Heat. It's one of the greatest uh, thrillers of all time. Do you at least know like the premise of Heat? I don't. Because the thing with Heat is they've basically made a ton of movies based off the plot. It's basically uh, bank robbers, and they they get mm -hmm. caught, and Robert De Niro's in it, Al Pacino, great cast. Anyway, they're making a Heat two. They're going to make a Heat 2, and Ugh. I believe I saw Adam Driver is going to take over Robert De Niro's character. So frustrating. Make original content, make new stuff. please. Yeah. I love Adam. Love Adam Driver, but just make make a new action movie with Adam Driver. Yeah. How well, much? How... When I hear stories about that, like they're going to remake an iconic movie and make a second one, a sequel for it, at that point I say, well, why didn't we just let AI win? Because are you kidding me? If as, as humans, if that's the only original stuff that we can come up with, you know what? Might as well let the robots make yeah, our films. And they're, they're running out of good stuff to pull from. Yes. Like, how much weight does Heat hold? It's, like, really? It was a great movie. 
on its own. It should never have a follow-up movie. No. 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 It, yeah, like The Exorcist, one of the most defining, important <laughs> movies of all time, and now they're making a reboot trilogy. Right. And everyone hates it. Everyone hates it. Everyone hates it. But there is something weird about Americans love horror stories. And that's me. And I don't get it because I... Like, every once in a while, I like a good thrill. I like a good fright. And, and obviously in October, you know, I'm a big fan of spooky season. But for me, normally, when I watch a movie, I want to be entertained by action or comedy. Rarely do I want to get scared. I, I don't know what it is about some people. I don't get scared by these things anymore. I don't go. I. It is funny. A lot of them are funny to me. Oh, so, it's, but do you like the adrenaline? Rush? I don't get adrenaline. Really? It's not that. I just, I love Are the atmosphere. Are you into the special effects? Special oh, effects, atmosphere. makeup, atmosphere, and I will just say, the camp. I like, no, I get that. I like a good horror movie that has a good score. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, so, yeah. Da, 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 like, all, like Jaws yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you know what Exorcist, I mean? like, Halloween, mm -hmm. Shining. Paranormal Activity was really good. I keep talking about that movie because it scared the pants <laughs> off of me. And I haven't seen another movie but that I, scary. I got to watch it and see if, <laughs> if it Have even... you ever seen Cabin in the Woods? Yes, I love that movie. I love that. Love doesn't that really movie. scare me, but it no, got me to jump out of my seat it. once, you know? Yeah. And they do a really good job of kind of mixing all the other horrors. Yeah, it's, it's a comedy, I think, more than a horror. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's some, I don't like slasher films. Like, Oh, I, I love them. Yeah, I don't, you know. Give me some scream. Unless it's Pamela Anderson running around with her top off. No, thank you, you know? I don't know. You have a fascination with seeing people die on screen, don't you? Well, it, it, when it's done well... It's it's, it's, it's people it's people at the best of their craft. Tom Savini and in, in Halloween one and four. It's uh, not Halloween. Uh, Friday the thirteenth. It's yeah. it's just good. It's good work being done. All right. Hey, let's close the show. Give me an update on this actor strike. Okay. So the actor strike. They went to the table. They were talking to the people. They're taking a day off today. Oh. They're meeting okay. back with their separate groups, getting some work done. And so we back. don't officially have any we good. We don't news. have good news. It. Honestly, that feels like bad news because that didn't happen for the writers. Yeah. Well, I will say this. The Tonight Show is back and all the late night yeah. shows. Haven't watched. Not no. interested. Have you? Didn't before. Not right. going to now. I mean, they had three months to prepare material. Nothing's gone viral. You know? No. I, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel is doing hits on the Manning cast on ESPN because he's got nothing. He's bringing yeah. to the Yeah. I mean, table. they can't bring actors on. Yeah. And that's kind of the peop what people want to see. Yeah. It, I, I don't care about the Jimmys. Yeah. The only one I liked is Conan. Conan's on podcast now. Yeah, so. I know. I did used to like, like yeah, Conan. Yeah, he's the, he's the And you know who was great was his uh, his comedy partner. Who was that guy? Uh, Andy Richter? Yeah. Yeah. That dude, he always brought something to the table. Yeah, he it's it's a good show. He's yeah. a good host. Yeah, Conan was good. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It's Grant and Danny live from Washington, D.C. coming up next.